Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. I'll be reading um, today's scripture in Bahasa Melayu or Bahasa Malaysia. So I grew up in Malaysia, I'm ethnic Chinese, so you may pick up some Chinese accent in in Malay. So, all right, here's the reading uh, of Luke. Orang ramai berjalan bersama-sama Yesus. Dia berpaling dan berkata kepada mereka, Sesiapa yang datang kepadaku tetapi tidak dapat mengasih aku lebih daripada ibunya, bapanya, istrinya, anak-anaknya, saudara lelakinya dan saudara perempuannya, bahkan dirinya sendiri, tidak dapat menjadi mengikutku. Sesiapa yang tidak mahu memiluk salibnya sendiri dan mengikut aku, tidak dapat menjadi pengikutku. Jika seorang daripada kamu hendak membina sebuah menara, dia akan duduk dahulu lalu mengira perbelanjaannya supaya dia tahu sama ada wangnya cukup untuk menyudahkan pekerjaan itu. Jika tidak, setelah meletakkan batu asasnya, dia tidak dapat menyudahkan pekerjaan itu. Lalu semua orang yang melihat apa yang telah berlaku akan mentertawakan dia. Mereka akan berkata, lihatlah, orang ini memulakan kerja tetapi tidak dapat menyudahkannya. Jika seorang raja yang mempunyai 10,000 orang askar hendak berperang dengan raja lain yang mempunyai 20,000 orang askar, raja itu akan duduk terlebih dahulu lalu mempertimbangkan sama ada dia cukup kuat untuk melawan musuhnya. Jika dia tahu bahawa dia tidak kuat, dia akan mengirim utusan untuk minta berdamai semasa musuhnya masih jauh. Akhirnya Yesus berkata, demikian juga dengan kamu. Tidak seorang pun daripada kamu dapat menjadi pengikutku, kecuali dia meninggalkan segala miliknya. Garam sangat berguna, tetapi jika garam sudah menjadi tawar, garam itu tidak dapat menjadi masing lagi. Garam yang tawar tidak lagi berguna untuk menyubuhkan tanah ataupun untuk dijadikan baja. Sebaiknya dibuang saja. Jika kamu bertelinga, dengarlah baik-baik. Thanks, Kerry. Well, welcome to Global Mission Week. Uh, you've got lots of mission reps who are going to be here today, tomorrow, Thursday, so have a chat with them. Welcome. We're really thankful that you're here with us. Scan a QR code. Find out where it leads. Have I tricked you and it all leads to the one site? No, no, I haven't. Um, someone suggested doing that. Guess which site. Um, write a note to a mission. There's uh, stuff up in the library to do that. If you'd like me to send it, put their name and their mission organisation and I'll make sure it gets to them. Um, mission reps, make sure we need updates for the walls. So while you're here in the room, make sure you send me some cards with updates. So let's just pray for a moment. Lord, thank you so much that you are a God who speaks, that you have made yourself known to us particularly through Jesus, that you've given us your word. Thank you for all of those people around the globe who are translating the Bible into languages so that people can read it for themselves and come to know Christ. 
We pray, Lord, that as we read and listen, as we think, that you would speak clearly to us, that you keep changing us and growing us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder if you noticed that Facebook got rid of its maybe button. It's replaced it with the interested button because research told them that people were more likely to interact with the event. It actually meant just a little bit more commitment than the maybe. Um, So I wonder what makes you click on interested rather than going, for those of you who are still using Facebook, so probably over 40, you know. Um, What makes you click on interested? Is it uh, something better might come up? Uh, You're not sure if others you know are going or others you know are going. Um, You need more information of some kind. You're weighing it up, aren't you? Yeah, counting the cost to see if you think it's worth committing to. And you did that when you decided to study at Ridley. You counted the cost, the time, family, career, bank balance. Well, we're glad you thought it was worth it. Well, I hope you think it's worth it. I'm sure in 20 years' time you'll know it was worth it. When it comes to involvement in global missions, I wonder, do followers of Jesus have the option of an interested button rather than a going button? Our passage today, uh, so keep it open, especially if your only language is English. Make sure you have that open. Our passage today is sandwiched between stories of healing, of the great banquet, of the lost sheep, the lost coins, the lost sons, stories of redemption, of the Lord's grace and compassion. Jesus is continuing to work his way towards Jerusalem and he's followed by a large crowd of people. As far as church planting goes, he's got the numbers. So does he build on that popularity? Great to see you guys. Hey, great. Glad you like the miracles and the healings. Keep bringing your friends along. Tell them about the fish and the bread. No. Instead, he tells them the truth of what they're doing, what he's asking. Remember what Jesus is walking towards as he heads towards Jerusalem. How many of that crowd will be with him when he's suffering, humiliated on a cross? You want to follow me and be my disciples? Well, you'll need to hate your family, even hate your own life. Be prepared to suffer the absolute shame and humiliation of a horrific death and renounce, well, everything, really. If you want to be my disciple, a half-hearted, a lukewarm response just will not cut it. You'd better count the cost. Jesus is asking for complete surrender to him. So what will it cost? Hate your father and mother, wife and kids? Sorry, Andrew. The language he's using is as shocking to us today as it would have been to hear us then. 
Actually, it's probably more shocking. It was probably more shocking to them and to some other cultures now. Family is your identity. It's where you get your value and your status in the community. It's all tied up with family. Is Jesus really calling us to hate our closest family? Hasn't he told us to love God and our neighbour, to honour our parents and even to love our enemies? Well, as you probably know, as he often does, Jesus is using hyperbolic language. And you can see this in the parallel passage in Matthew, in Matthew 10, where Matthew writes, anyone who loves their father or mother, son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Matthew's using a softer phrasing as he picks up that Jesus is using hate more as a preference or allegiance rather than an emotional response. Jesus is calling for undivided loyalty to himself above loyalty to family. It's still pretty shocking. And the same point about loyalty comes out too when Matthew follows with, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, I require your complete devotion and allegiance. That's the cost. Our relationship with him trumps all other relationships, all other allegiances. Why is he so extreme? Why does complete commitment matter? Because how we respond to Jesus is how we respond to the almighty, sovereign God who deserves nothing less than our total worship. Philippians 2, at the name of Jesus, every tongue, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. Sometimes I wonder if in the comfortable West, the pleasure pain, we've minimised the gospel. We sing the songs, but do we bow the knee? We don't even do it physically anymore in church usually. Do we do it at home? We've forgotten what it means to use Hudson Taylor's words that Christ is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Our love for our family can be so strong that it displaces our allegiance to the Lord without us even realising it. We might have ways of relating to our extended family members that aren't particularly godly, but we don't want to disrupt the long-held patterns that are there. Or we focus more on our kids' athletic, intellectual, social and artistic well-being than on their spiritual well-being. Church takes second place to sport or family gatherings. At the same time, I know that there are people right here in this room who have experienced a great cost in putting devotion to Christ ahead of devotion to family. Family. 
like the young Middle Eastern woman studying in the Ukraine who met students from the IFES student group and became a Christian. But instead of celebrating her new life, her family have disowned her and held her funeral. It's cost. Primary allegiance to Jesus can mean not giving in to phrases like, if you really loved me, you would. And despite trying to show Jesus' love, it can mean estrangement. When we were in Europe with CMS, I had the privilege of baptising an Iranian woman. She'd fled Tehran with her young son because her life was in danger. And that was because of her faith. And overnight, she had to leave the rest of her family behind. I think Jesus first means that honouring parents can be tricky. I know a missionary, let's call her Chen Chen. She's serving with her family in a country that her parents left to come to Australia. And they'd left so their children could have a better life. Tian Tian's parents were already upset that she'd become a Christian and married an Australian. But returning to this country was like a complete slap in the face to them. It was like throwing back all the sacrifices they had made for her. So to try to show honour to her parents and uh, to express her love, Tian Tian and her family moved in with them for six months before they left Australia. They wanted to give her parents time with their grandchildren and to show respect for, you know, quite a bit of the cultural, uh, the culture that she had grown up with. And so although her parents are still not happy, at least the relationship is intact. Um, If you haven't guessed already, my husband's in the room, so he's here representing CMS and his family. His parents were really quite angry and hurt when we moved to Melbourne as a young family um, back in the 80s to study at Ridley for Andrew to be an Anglican ordination candidate, they didn't understand. There was a college where we used to live. Why couldn't he go there? They felt rejected. Phone calls and lots of visits went some way to showing them love, but I'm not sure that they ever really forgave us. I'm sure there are others here whose loyalty to Jesus has called disruption uh, of family relationships for you. Perhaps just nod your head or just indicate a little bit if that's been the case. It could be a big disruption or a small disruption. There's quite a lot of nodding of heads going on. It could be a great conversation. We cannot love our family and simply add Jesus as an accessory. Being a disciple of Jesus means a change of allegiance. Our primary allegiance is to him. And what's amazing is that our family should actually notice that with God's help, as we follow and learn from Jesus, we become more loving and more servant-hearted as a result of that. But following Jesus can cost relationships. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We've all heard or read of stories or perhaps have known people who've been imprisoned or killed for their faith, who stood steadfast even to death 
for Jesus. And I hope and pray that with the Lord's help, if ever I was in that situation, I would be able to do that too. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Jesus' hearers probably didn't hear this in the metaphorical way that we do. Instead, they they would have known, they would have been able to see that he was saying to them that to follow him meant they had to be prepared to suffer the most cruel and shameful death. They'd seen people walk the road before. And Jesus was about to walk it too. Complete devotion and allegiance. The cross is an emblem of complete humiliation, isn't it really? Shame and suffering. And on this side of Jesus' resurrection, we know that it's also a sign of forgiveness and of salvation. So I wear a cross. For me, it's a reminder to myself that I'm called to complete allegiance to Christ, that I identify with Christ's life, death and resurrection, that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. It's easy to love ourselves more than Jesus. We want to do things our way. We want to please ourselves or gain the respect of others. We want to make a name for ourselves. We want church to have the music that we like. We want people to respond to us in the way that we want. It's in the very air that we breathe because you're worth it. Be true to yourself. Well, the Lord knows that about us. And that's why he meets us with his grace and transforms us throughout our life with his love. Carrying our cross, identifying with Jesus is a sanctifying process, isn't it? Paul urges us as people raised with Christ to set our hearts and minds on things of his kingdom. With God's help, what's important to us is changed as we follow Jesus. And in our passage, after a challenge, as we come to the end, after a challenge to count the cost, Jesus says, in the same way, those of you who do not give everything you have cannot be my disciple, his third time saying it. So I wonder what you'd find hard to give up as you continue to follow Jesus. Often we don't know until it's taken from us. Sometimes good things, but we've turned them into idols. On the slide, this is the membership card for the CMS League of Youth for people between 15 and 30. It was established in 1928 and ran for a number of decades. It was a society set up to encourage the next generation of disciples, of missionaries, of church leaders, which with God's help it did. There are copies in your seat so that you can take them. They signed this every year. What an amazing way to remind yourself every year of your complete allegiance to Jesus. I wonder how our youth groups would go. I wonder how our young adult home groups would go. What a commitment. They knew that to follow Jesus meant surrendering your plans and ambitions, your own comfort and dreams, 
coming to the Lord and just offering yourself. It meant complete allegiance to him. They also knew that God has always intended for his people to represent him, that to follow Jesus meant being part of God's global mission, living and proclaiming the gospel wherever he took them, at home or abroad. And they knew they weren't alone in the journey, that there were brothers and sisters in Christ partnering with them in joy in this mission. So let's keep counting the cost of following Jesus, giving him our wholehearted allegiance with the big things as well as the little things. Are you prepared to give up anything, he asks? Are you prepared to go anywhere he calls? for his glory.